Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. Welcome to week of February 4th. The one-year anniversary of one guy with a mic. And today, February 4th, this is the first of three episodes that you can listen to. Alright? And with that, we're going to, you know, do our NBA jerseys, get our best starting five from Jersey where, jerseys, guys that wore jersey number one. Alright, that's what our starting five is today. And we'll also do guys that wore number two as well. So we're going to knock out two numbers today. And um, I feel like the list for both, it's a, I mean, the guys that wore number two, they're, they're legend. They're Hall of Famers, okay? In fact, a couple of them are in the Hall of Fame, all right? There's one that should be, that will be in the Hall of Fame eventually. There's a guy that, you know, had to retire early. Number one, the guys that wore number ones, on my list are all what ifs because they all had injuries at some point that cut their career short. So let's do a little recap of what we got going on with our zeros and our double zeros. Okay. So our starting five that we picked eventually, and you know, we threw in the sixth man, which was Avery Bradley. Okay. He was going to be the shooting guard. If we had to have a shooting guard. Okay. So at point guard, we're going to take Dame Lillard, Dame Dollar, Dame time, all right. We're gonna go West Russ Westbrook with the with the two guard spot. We got Jason Tatum at small forward, Kevin Love at power forward, and Hall of Famer Robert Chief Parrish holding down the middle. So that's a pretty stacked to five right there. So let's see what the uh, next guys can do. But hey, let's uh, let's get a little on this date in history for. Uh, for all you folks out there. So February 4th, 2015 was a special day for the Atlanta Hawks organization. Um, and it's, I, I couldn't find any, any other examples of this ever happening before either. So I think this is a one-off in NBA history as well. February 4th, 2015, the NBA announced the January player of the month awards for the Eastern conference. Okay. What's special about this is that all five starters of the Atlanta Hawks made the player of the month. Now, like I said, I think that's the first time a starting five has ever done that, as I I couldn't find it anywhere else. So, it's a little bit of, uh, Hawks must have been really good that January, let me tell you. I don't think they, I still don't think they won the East, though. (laughs) Um, all right. So let's get into it. Let's, let's just start right here. At point guard, we're going to go with Derrick Rose. All right. A man that played one year at Memphis underneath Calipari, got drafted by the Bulls from the city of Chicago. It was a NBA love story at its finest. Derrick Rose would go on to become a three-time All-Star. He'd be on the All-NBA team. He'd be on the All-Rookie team. He won Rookie of the Year, and he won an MVP. 
But like I said, these guys at war number one, they're a career what ifs. What if he hadn't torn his ACL at 23? Would his career averages be more than 17.7, 3.3, and 5.3? He was supposed to be the savior of the Bulls when he was drafted. And then the injury happened. Now, let's not forget that the Bulls also drafted Jason Williams at a time to be their point guard. And he got injured in a bike accident. They drafted Kirk Heinrich to be their point guard. Then they drafted Derrick Rose. And he was supposed to be the guy that led them back to the promised land that Jordan carried them in the 90s. Oh, after the injury, he lost some of his explosiveness. But as he has shown over the years since, he is still a valuable leader off the bench, can take up minutes on a on a team to be a starter as well. And for this team, he is my starting point guard. Um, he can distribute the ball, score, and still be clutch at the same time. Uh, he doesn't shoot well from three-point range as he only shoots 31.6%. Inside the arc, he's a 48.5% uh, shooter. He's 83.9 from the line. But he will he can distribute the ball and he can drive to the basket. Next up, we got Tracy McGrady, T-Mac, drafted straight out of high school in the 97 draft. He spent 16 years in the league. He's a Hall of Famer. He averaged 19.6 points per game, 5.6 rebounds per game, and 4.4 assists per game. He was a seven-time All-Star, a two-time scoring champ, a seven-time All-NBA. He won most improved. T-Mac was a scorer. He was a guy that could take over a game. And he is another guy that has a what-if career. What if him and Hill actually played together in Orlando? What if with the Rockets he hadn't started having injuries such as back issues, shoulder issues, knee issues with Yao Ming there? T-Mac was one of the best players in the early 2000s despite the injuries. And he was a leader. His laid-back demeanor irritated some, but McGrady did everything right on the court, and that is why he's our two guard at six foot seven. Now, next up is Anthony Penny Hardaway. All right, he was drafted by the Orlando Magic. He played alongside Shaquille O'Neal. He was part of the Magic team that made the. The NBA championship against the Rockets. He was their point guard. Nick Van or uh, Nick Anderson was was a shooting guard. That Dennis Scott. They had Horace Grant, one of my favorite players of all time, and they had Shaquille O'Neal in the middle. They also had Scott Skiles as well during those times. But Penny Hardaway went out, went on to play would go on to play shooting guard and small forward as well during his career. And again, these two, T-Mac and Penny, could be interchangeable. Both 6'7". Both played uh, either end of the floor. And both were 6'7". They could play point. They could play shooting guard. They could play small forward. 
Like I said, 14 seasons in the league. Anthony Penny Hardaway scored 15.2 points per game, 4.5 rebounds per game, and 5 assists per game. He was a 4-time All-Star, a 3-time All-NBA. He made All-Rookie Team as well. He starred in the movie Blue Chips with Shaq. However, ankle injuries cut his career from what it could be. At the height of his game, Penny was a leader. He did get into scuffles with Shaq, and that's what broke up that tandem. Um, Like I said, he was on that young Magic team that ran the East for a couple seasons until him and Shaq had a falling out, and Shaq left for L.A. But once Penny started having ankle issues, his explosiveness went away, as it would with any other player. But he still could distribute and score when needed. Again, he only shot 31.6% from the three-point line. So again, this team is not that strong of a three-point shooting team. That's the downfall. He did shoot 48.9% from inside the arc, and he was an 88.9% shooter from the line. Now, our power forward is a man that came in the league and took it by storm. He was part of... Of the eight-second offense with Steve Nash with the Phoenix Suns. He would go on to play with Phoenix, New York, Dallas, and Miami. This player is Amare Stoudemire. He's a six-time All-Star. He's a five-time All-NBA. Made All-Rookie. He was a Rookie of the Year. He would average 18.9 points per game, 7.8 rebounds per game, and he would dish out a measly 1.2 assists per game. He shot 54% from two-point range inside the arc. 23.6% three-point range, so he wasn't really a stretch four. And he shot 76.1% from the line. Aside from playing in the NBA, he also played in Israel, in the Israeli Basketball League, where he's a two-time champ he's a finals mvp he's an all-star all euro team a two-time israeli cup winner stoudemire's time in the league he had knee problems eye surgery that limited him in his career and at with like i said with phoenix new york dallas and miami at his best amari was a top 15 player in the league and a guy with a point guard could and a guy that had if he had a point guard he could take over a game it's when he didn't have a good point guard that he struggled he couldn't just give the ball he could give him the ball down load and he would always find that open area on the court whenever he had a point guard that would drive like steve nash did nash would drive amari would fill the empty hole get buckets okay that's another guy injury prone Next up, we have our center. To round out our starting five is Chris Bosh. Played 13 years in the league. He was a Hall of Famer, 11-time All-Star, two-time NBA champ, All-NBA, All-Rookie. For a career, he averaged 19 points, 19.2 points per game, 8.5 rebounds per game, 2 assists per game. Unfortunately, Bosch's career was cut short due to blood clots. He was the third piece of the big three 
for Miami with LeBron and Dwayne. Bosch could score on anyone at any time. He shot 50.6% from the from the field from two point range. He shot 33% from three point range and he was a 79.9% shooter from the line. Bosch's scoring took a small hit along when he played alongside LeBron and Dwayne, but he helped but he did help on the defensive end. He averaged he also averaged 32 minutes per game in his career and could find the open shooter when double teamed. Bosch is a guy I would anchor I would have anchor any team if I'm drafting just because of his because he elevated the Toronto Raptors and then he was I'm between him and Ray Allen, they were the glue guys for those Miami teams. So what are the other options that we had for our starting five, you ask, right? Well, other starting fives that wore the number one. Our center would be Samuel Dallenbear, Troy Murphy, Muggsy Bogues at point guard, Chris Childs, Baron Davis, Wes Matthews, Scott Brooks, Kevin Porter, Phil Ford, Rod Strickland, Chauncey Billups, Gus Williams, Reggie Jackson, Darrell Wright, Lindsey Hunter, Daniel Gibson were all options for point guards and shooting guards. Our small forwards would be Buck Johnson, Kyle Anderson, Trevor Ariza, Josh Childs, Steven Jackson. Shooting guard would be Devin Booker, Anthony Parker, Nick Young, and Wesley Person. Uh, again, we, um, we're still doing the zeros on the website. So, uh, but look forward to make sure, here's what I'm going to say is when you go to sportshistorynetworker.com, make sure to sign up for the email. So that way you can get the updates of when we're going to post up the next numbers and who we're voting for at that time on the website. Okay. So that's my starting five for the ones. If I had to play them against the zeros, zeros would take it all day. Now. Next up, we're going to do the twos. Our best starting five at our twos. And you know what? I'm going to actually read our options here first. Okay? So, we had four guys that wore the number two. This is, this is who we had to choose from. At point guard, we would choose... We had a choice of John Wall, Rory Sparrow, Kyrie Irving, Steve Blake, Derek Fisher, Norm Van Leer, Jason Kidd, Raymond Felton, Eric Bloodsoe. Shooting guard, we have Rich Mitch Richmond, Stacy Ogman, Joe Johnson, Deshaun Stevenson, Wesley Matthews, and Tabu Cephalosha. At small forward, we have Alex English, Keith Askins, Kawhi Leonard, Joe Ingles, Junior Bridgman, and Mikhail Petrus. Alright. At power forward, our choices were Mark Bryant, Maurice Taylor, Larry Johnson, Marvin Williams, Anthony Miller. 
And for center, it was Joe Barry Carroll and Moses Malone. So there's your options for the positions to choose from. My starting five. We're going to go with a Hall of Famer at point guard. A guy that I first saw as a kid playing for the Cal Bears in 1995. I was 13 years old at the time. And at that point, when I saw this game, I was sitting around with two broken arms. Oh no, not in 95 I wasn't. That was 94. 95 I was healthy for the most part. 94, I broke both arms. <laughs> so, at the same time. That's another story for another day. So, first on the team is Jason Kidd. And he was a baller from the get-go. So, I tried to emulate... Em- Jason Kidd is who I tried to em- emulate as a basketball player growing up. I was short. I was kind of chubby. I was slow. All right? I felt Jay Kidd was the guy that I could best relate to. I mean, granted, he was faster. He was taller. You know? But at the same time, I couldn't shoot, and neither could really Jay Kidd. I could dribble, and I could pass. I could play defense. And I could rebound. All things J-Kid did as well. At a high level. For a point guard anyways. Now. His passing vision was unbelievable. He could rebound the ball over anybody. And like I said, he played defense. J-Kid played 19 seasons in the league. He was the second overall pick by the Dallas Mavericks in the 94 draft. Behind Glenn Big Dog Robinson and right before Grant Hill. J-Kid would average 12.6 points per game, 6.3 rebounds per game, 8.7 assists per game. He was a 10-time All-Star. He was a 5-time assist champ. He was a 6-time All-NBA. He was on the 94-95 All-Rookie team. He won 94-95 Rookie of the Year with Grant, alongside Grant Hill. He was a 9-time All-Defensive team. And he's part of the NBA 75th anniversary team as well. He wore number two for five seasons, and it was on his second stint with the Dallas Mavericks from 08 to 2012. He was a member of the 2011 Dallas Mavericks that won the the only franchise championship to date. He played point guard and shooting guard for his career, but for our team, he's going to be the point. He has almost a 3 to 1 assist to turnover ratio. But he wasn't a prolific shooter like all the previous guards on my list and also previous guards in the league. He did shoot 34.9% from three-point land though, which is higher than what D Rose Derrick Rose did. He does shoot 42.9% inside the arc cuz he's not really a driver to the basket type player. He's going to sell it for jumpers. And he shot 78.5 from the line. Now next, our starting shooting guard from Kansas State. Drafted fifth overall in the 1988 NBA draft by the Golden State Warriors. He was part of Run TMC. Mitch Richmond is going to be our starting shooting guard. Tim Hardaway was the T. Chris Mullen was the C, and Mitch made the M for Run TMC. 
Run TMC played three three seasons together before Mitch moved to Sacramento, where he would become a six-time All-Star, five-time All-NBA. Where he would wear number two for the first time as well. And he would also win the 94-95 All-Star MVP. He was an All-Rookie team member, and he was also the 88-89 Rookie of the Year. He would play for the Wizards for three seasons after Sacramento, and then he finished his career playing for the Lakers in 2001 and 2002, and won his one and only championship. The irony of this is that the team that he played for the longest, the Sacramento Kings, is the team that he played against in the Western Conference Final that year. That is also the series that is considered one of the worst officiated series ever in the NBA game. The Lakers team would then go on to beat Jason Kidd of the Nets 4-0 in the finals. Richmond was a sharpshooter. He shot 38.8% from beyond the arc. He topped 40% from beyond the arc three times. He had a career average of 21 points per game, 3.9 rebounds per game, and 3.5 assists per game. He shot from inside the arc at 44.3%, and he was an 85% shooter from the line. Mitch was inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame in 2014 after he was done playing. He also won a bronze medal in the 88 Olympics and a gold when he was part part of the Dream Team 2 in 96 Atlanta Games. So there's our backcourt. Jason Kidd, Mitch Richmond. Now, well, for our starting forward, starting small forward, we could have chosen Alex A.J. English, Joe Johnson, Stacy the Masked Man Ogman, one of my favorite players of all time. All good choices. But the makeup of this team that we need right now, we need that guy, the guy that can get us bucket. The guy that is cool as the other side of the pillow. A game changer. A guy that has won two NBA championships and two finals MVPs. He has two defensive player of the years. He's a seven-time all-defensive team member. He's a five-time all-NBA. He was an all-rookie team member. He's been a steals champ. He's a five-time all-star. He's an all-star game MVP and a member of the 75th anniversary team. Our starting small forward is the guy they call the board man, the fun guy, the hand, the claw. Drafted out of San Diego State by the Indiana Pacers Pacers with a 15th overall pick in the 2011 draft. And then he was immediately traded to San Antonio for George Hill. It's none other than Kawhi Leonard. Leonard has been in the league for 11 seasons. And granted, he has never played 82 games in a season, either due to injury or due to rest or whatever. But he has a career average of 21.3 points per game, 6.2 rebounds per game, 3.9 assists per game. He shoots 49.4% from the field, which includes 38.3% from the three from beyond the arc, and 53.7% inside the arc. He shoots 85.8 from the line. 
He has more steals than he does in tur- does tur- his own turnovers in his career. He put the 2019 Raptors on his back against the 76ers in the Eastern Conference semis to beat the, and then went on to beat Giannis, Giannis, Antetokounmpo, uh, yeah, Giannis and the Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals, and then he would go on and beat a Golden State team that had a healthy St- Steph Curry, healthy Klay Thompson, and a healthy Draymond Green, four to two. He would leave the Raptors, and then go play for. My Clippers. He would go back home to L.A. Or nearby. Because he's from San Diego. He'd go back home to nearby L.A. Join the Clippers. Where he would take the Clippers to the Western Conference Finals. For the first time in team history. And I know he didn't play in games in five, five or six against the Jazz. Thanks Joe Ingles. That's why you're not on this list. For knocking him and then end up on an open layup. You just had to let him go. But no, you had to be Joe Ingles. And you had to give him a little nudge to the side. Which then caused him to do a sidestep and then partially tear his ACL. Which then knocked him out for the rest of the rest of the playoffs. But he was a major reason the team didn't win the Western Conference that year. Kawhi has proven that he is a future Hall of Famer. He has proven that he is a gamer, and he may be quiet, but he can show. All, but he shows all of his actions on the floor. Now we have power forward, and who are we going to choose for power forward out of this list? I mean, for power forward, we got Mark Bryant, Mo Taylor, Larry Johnson. Marvin Williams, Anthony Miller, right? Anthony Miller, big man, Anthony Miller. You know who we're going to choose? My favorite player of all time. He had to retire early due to back issues. He played for the Charlotte Hornets and the New York Knicks. He was part, him, Greg Anthony, and Stacey Ogman are the reason why the UNLV basketball team is called the Running Rebels. Because... Realistically, UNLV is just the Rebels. The basketball team, the men's basketball team, is named the Running Rebels. Thanks to Jerry Tarkanian and these boys. He and Alonzo Mourning and Tyrone Muggsy Bogues put the Hornets on the map from 92 to 95. He never averaged more than 22 points per game. I mean, he did average 22.1 in a season. Uh, he was a two-time All-Star. He was drafted first in the 91 draft, ahead of Kenny Anderson and Dikembe Mutombo. Our power forward is none other than Larry Grandmama Johnson. He played 10 seasons in the league before having to retire he would retire with averages of 16.2 points per game, 7.5 rebounds per game, and 3.3 assists per game. He retired in 2001. He played in one NBA Finals, happened to be the lockout shortened season of 98-99 with the Knicks. But he did make the playoffs 7 out of his 10 seasons. He did shoot 33.2%, 33.2% from beyond the arc, and... He became a stretch four 
before there really was such a position. The last three of his careers, uh, through last three years of his career, he sat out mostly due to back problems. And I think LJ could have been a 20 points per game, 8 rebounds per game, 4 assists per game type player if he did not incur back injuries. Now, where do we go for center? We got two choices, right? We got Joe Barry Carroll and Moses Malone. Going with the Hall of Famer, baby. I I think Joe Barry Carroll's in the Hall of Fame, too. Maybe, I think. I'm not really for certain on that. Someone can fact check me, though. Because the research team didn't really look into that. We're going with our center. The pioneer of the high school to the pro player. A player that started his career in the ABA in 74. And he ended. He would end his career in 94-95. He averaged 20.3 points per game. 12.3 rebounds per game. And a measly 1.3 assists per game. He played all his years at center. But one. His second year in the NBA he played power forward. For his career. Moses Malone. A.K.A. Chairman of the Boards. Was a 13-time All-Star. A 6-time rebounding champ. 8-time All-NBA. 2-team All-Defensive Team. A 3-time MVP. He was part of the 83 NBA Championship Team with the 76ers and Dr. J. He also won Finals MVP that year. And he is a member of the ABA All-Time Team. And the 75th Anniversary Team. As well. Moses Malone went from high school to the pros. The first guy to do it. Then you had the likes of Sean Kemp that would follow. Kobe Bryant, Kevin Garnett, Tracy McGrady, Kwame Brown would all then go on to do the same thing. Al Harrington, another guy that went from the high school to the pros. Okay, with this team, I think we are well balanced. We got rebounders, we got passers, we got a sharpshooter, we got a guy that can take you one on one, and our superstar is Kawhi Leonard. We got a st- we got a stretch four with LJ, Larry Johnson, and we got a center that can man the boards and definitely get second chance points for us. I would definitely put this team against the zeros, and I think this team would come out on top. Because we have a little bit more defense. We have a little bit more shooting. We have Moses Malone is could would dominate Robert Parrish, I think. So, let me know your thoughts. Let us know what you think. Who you think is deserving of the being the best starting five of the guys that wore jersey number one and jersey number two. Like I said, by going to our website, sportshistorynetwork.com, and checking it out. So this is episode one of three that's coming out today. You don't have to listen to all three of them. Maybe. Well, I mean, I'd like you to listen to all three of them. I shouldn't, I shouldn't say you don't have to listen to them. Listen to all three of them. You just don't have to listen to them all one day because that's going to be a lot of me talking. That's like an hour and a half of me talking. Okay. So this is our basketball edition. Next up, 
is going to be the 1994 Montreal Expos. The team of what could have been. So, as always, thank you for supporting the the podcast, for listening. If you're not following us yet, please hit that follow button for wherever you listen to your podcast. Make sure to ring the bell so that we get the notification of when we have dropped new episodes. We've been dropping them on Saturdays, which has been, you know, been nice. Research team has been able to work during the week, and I'll be able to record the episode, and then we've been putting it out on Saturday. It's been a real nice flow that we got going on here. But always make sure to ring that bell. Make sure to download so we get credit. Okay? Even if you don't listen to the episode, just download it anyways. It doesn't really affect anything. Especially on Spotify. It just goes to your download list. And as always, I appreciate every single one of you. So until next time, tell somebody you love them. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude. And I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. The Pigskin Tales podcast is all about the lesser-known pro football players. Yes, there are stories about the ones we know, like Brad Tarkenton and Harold Red Green. But, have you ever heard of Ernie Nevers? How about Dave Osborne or even Grady Alderman? These men created their own path to the NFL. How did they do it? Listen to the Pigskin Tales podcast. Now streaming on your favorite music platform. Go to pigskintales.com. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcasts. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcasts. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.